0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. You are nothing but a hypocrite. Sorry, Crystal, I just happened to be looking at you when I finished that. <laughs> Nothing. Those words are not words we want to hear, do we? And that's one of the harshest things that someone could say to you and say about you. And hopefully none of us are living there on a regular basis. We all struggle, though, with having what our lives ought to be not being, right? And and so sometimes we might feel like, ah, I'm living a little hypocritical, but I think Struggling to live the way that you ought to live is not the same as hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you're struggling to live the way you're supposed to and you act like you aren't. Right? That's hypocrisy, okay? When you're acting like something, you aren't. But when we act like we are forgiven people, are we forgiven people? Yes. When we act like God has made us righteous on the inside, are, is that true? Yes. Yeah, and, and we... You know, even if we failed, we messed up, we really want to do what's right because God has changed us. And so this is what we've been talking about, being authentic, being the real deal Christian, okay? And so a couple of weeks ago we talked about being authentic by just by being a Christian. That moment that you receive Christ as Savior, you remember, right? We talked about, we put this uh, progression across the stage here, but the moment that you receive Christ as Savior, he moves in, Right? He, he, first, he forgives every sin. We've placed our faith in dying for us, rise again. He forgives every sin, and he gives us eternal life, his life, and then he moves in. And the Bible then says that he put us into Jesus, okay, which means we get his righteousness, we get his holiness, we get his love, we get uh, his desire to, to serve God, and on and on the list goes. Remember I said we could probably come up with a list of over 100 things that are now true about us. Okay, Now, do you all always live like you're loving? Anybody besides me ever act a little selfish once in a while? Well, only six of us? No, right, the reality is we know we all find ourselves there, so what's up? Well, it's because we are three parts to us. We are spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is that deepest part of our being, what we call the core of our being. That's where we can have a spiritual, direct spiritual connection with God. And before we come to Christ, our spirit is dead to God. But that moment we receive Christ, he moves in and brings that spirit to life, okay? And he's changed us. Now, we also have a soul, and that's our mind, our will, our emotions, and we have a body. That includes all the physical part and the brain, all that stuff. And so what's happened is God has changed us profoundly and forever deep inside, because he moved in And we are joined with him. We are now hooked up with him, okay? And so uh, that will never change. And what we have to do is learn to see that that's actually true. That's actually true, and I need to live that way, okay? I need to believe these things about myself and live it out into my life. The Bible calls this the process of sanctification, where we are being changed in our minds and our hearts. And what we're doing is we're becoming more and more like what he said we actually are. Okay, uh, But this is important because if you aren't already actually that, you're going to spend your whole life trying somehow to become that. And you'll never make it. So Jesus just finished it deep down inside of you. And he says, okay, now let's work on it. Okay, So it comes out into our lives. And then with, through our bodies, we live in this world around us. We talk to people. We go places. We, we do things. But so the moment we receive Christ, we become an authentic Christian. We are the real deal. Not because we got it together, but because God has done something that's a forever kind of thing when he united us with Jesus. Okay, and then last week we talked about that one of the things that needs to happen, all these things are true and things we learn about God, we need to move into actually knowing him. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. And we said we come to do this by when we learn something about God that he says do such and such and this is important and And we make a decision, okay, I'm going to act on that. I'm going to trust that. I'm I'm going to live out this faith here. And and so we begin living that way. Um, And so as we do that, what we discover is that God is faithful. Okay, we discover that. We discover that, wow, I know what the Bible says that God loves me, but I'm beginning to experience his love. You see what I'm saying? It's those kinds of things. And it begins to change us so now. We and for me, I received Christ in 1975 and a bunch of years of you know trying to make this happen myself. Mm, you know, go walk, go. Um, go dog, go. Go walk, go. <laughs> Dr. Seuss. Um, and finally coming to understand over a little over 20 years ago the things I'm talking to you about now. And so I've discovered that, wow. I, not only do I know about God but I know him uh, by his grace not because of my goodness by his grace and I know him I know sometimes what to expect now he surprises me all the time because that shouldn't surprise me right that he surprises me but he does but it's, it's always consistent with his word and I learn something more about him when he surprises me and so as we interact together and, and sometimes you know you can share with me what's going on in your life and I I can see, wow, I see that God is doing something here. And maybe you aren't seeing it, but I know God. And sometimes some of you have done the same for me. What an amazing thing. So not only do we become this authentic Christian, then we begin to experience this relationship with God as we come to know him. Now what we want to do today is talk about, okay, so what goes on in our lives then? What are we doing to be this authentic Christian. We're already authentic, deep in the inside. We're learning uh, what that all means and now how do we live out this authentic Christian life. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10. Peter had a, a, a vision from the Lord and the Lord told him to go visit this household. It was the household of a Roman soldier high up in the uh, command structure. And uh, Peter isn't quite sure what to make of that, but God has him go there. And this man's name is Cornelius. And he uh, received a vision from the Lord as well to call for Peter. And so God works this all out and Peter comes to visit. And Cornelius has, has got a bunch of people in his house to hear what Peter has to say. Okay, so let's pick up here. Um, uh, Cornelius tells the story of what's going on. Peter tells his story. And then we get to verse 30. (coughs) Actually, this is part of Cornelius' story. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and call Simon here. Simon, oh yeah, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. All right, so understand the context here. And the reason that God had to appear to Peter and say go is because... Jewish people who were committed to the Lord, uh, and this, this is a misunderstanding on their part, okay? But nonetheless, the Jewish people had little, as, much, uh, as little as they could do with Gentiles, people who weren't Jews. Because the people who weren't Jews didn't follow the law, they didn't follow all the health laws and the ceremonial laws. And so in the Jewish mindset, these people were unclean all right? And so they didn't like to socialize with them. They didn't do that. And at this point in time, though the disciples ought to have known because of what Jesus says, I, I think the disciples largely were thinking that Jesus came for the Jewish people. He was the Jewish Messiah, right? He was. He was the promised Messiah for them. But he was much more than that. He was the promised Savior of the whole world. Okay, um, But th- these uh, new believers, these early believers... I think largely felt that it's the Jewish people. Which makes sense in some sense because if they go someplace and to to share about Jesus, where would they want to go first? To the synagogue, to the Jewish people, because they're open to what God has said, and at least they think they are, okay? And so they would go to the Jewish people. And uh, eventually, (laughs) actually we see a couple chapters before this that God allows persecution to come and begin to drive them out into the world leave Jerusalem, get out there. I told you to go. You need a little help here. Let me help you go. But anyway, so this was a big, big deal for Peter to show up and, and go to the home of a Gentile and even to be thinking that Jesus died for these people too? Let's look. Verse 30. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality But in every nation, whoever fears him and and works righteousness is accepted by him. So anybody who turns to the Lord and, and does what God wants them to do, God accepts. Jew or Gentile, okay? The word, verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. And I think that means something new to Peter. He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we, talking about him and the other apostles, we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree, crucified him, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And so the, as we know, in uh, we look in First Corinthians, there were um, at least 500 people who saw Jesus alive. Uh, but he didn't just make a mass appearance. He appeared to people who believed in him and then gave them the responsibility to go tell the world. Okay, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And there's the gospel. That's what I was talking about earlier when I talked about receiving Christ as Savior. But what we want to do today is we're asking the question, you know, so how do we now live this out in our lives? We're talking about we're authentic on the inside. We're growing in a relationship with God. Now, how do we be authentic then in how we live? And I think verse 38 helps us with that, gives us some real insights to it. Uh, He talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. This is very much about Jesus as a man. Okay, so let's do a little doctrine here, theology, and most of you know this, but the Bible presents to us very clearly that there is one God, right? That's all through, hear, O Israel, way back, the Lord your God is one, one God. And yet all through the scriptures, God reveals himself as also being Three persons. Even from the beginning of creation, when he goes to create man, he says, let us make man in our image. Okay, And so it, we, for, from eternity past, and we're not going to look at all the scriptures to talk about this, but from eternity past, there was always God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God as three persons. Three persons, one God. Now if you have a little bit of trouble getting your head around that, That's a good sign, means you're thinking, okay? It's not contradictory, but it is a little difficult for us to understand sometimes. But so get that. That that means that God, the Father is God, Jesus, who is the Son of God, the Son of God from heaven who became a human being, the man Jesus, okay? And the Holy Spirit who works and comes to live in us is the third one. (coughs) But what verse 38 is talking to us is about, so when the Son of God became a man, How did he live? What did that look like? How did he do the things that he did? Would it be safe to say that we think Jesus was authentic in his faith, in his life? Absolutely, right? So how did he live? How did that work for him as a human being? Now, verse 38, we look at again how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And I read this uh, uh, earlier this week as I was preparing for the sermon. and It just kind of hit me. I'm looking at this and saying, man, if that is the only verse that we have that tells us how Peter views Jesus, you might think G- Peter doesn't view Jesus as God. I mean, look at it, right? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, the man Jesus who came from Nazareth, God anointed him. Give him power. He went about doing good things, healing, and because God was with him. Okay. Now, <clears throat> I could just uh, have told you, I don't worry about that, because G- Peter believes that Jesus is God. But here's the deal. <clears throat> if you go out in the world and you run across someone who is, is a Muslim, and if they've been taught, thoroughly taught uh, in their mosque, they will tell you, well, they, they believe in Jesus, that's a different Jesus. But what they believe is that the New Testament has been corrupted. We don't really, the New Testament has been messed up because people later who believe things changed things and all that. And so that Jesus was just a man, a prophet, but not the Son of God. And so when I read this, they use this verse. Okay? I think it's kind of interesting, and it shows human nature, not Muslim nature. It shows human nature, that they say the New Testament is corrupted." and then they find this verse and go, "Oh, oh look, this is right." OK? Um, but so let's talk about this, because you might hear this somewhere, and I, I don't want you to say, "What? What's going on? I want to show you how Peter views Jesus. And here's what Peter did, and here's what a lot of the New Testament writers did they went back and looked at the Old Testament and they they would refer to something that God did in the Old Testament and in the New Testament say, Jesus did it, okay? Or this character quality of God. and Well, this is Jesus, okay? So they made those parallels. Look here at the things that Peter does in his preaching, in the Gospels, and in his writings. So let's take a look at this list. So Peter's view, Jesus like Yahweh, Yahweh is the Hebrew name for God, the Old English Jehovah, okay? Jesus like Yahweh is part of the Trinity and therefore God. He's the omniscient Lord whom the apostles worshiped and prayed to. He is the Holy and Righteous One, God and Savior. He is the author of life. Talking about, who are we talking about, Jesus or God? Oh, thank you. It was a trick question, okay? Yes, both. He sits on the throne and reigns as a sovereign Lord. He will judge the living and the dead. Go to the next list there. He rules as Lord over an eternal kingdom. He is to be feared and regarded as holy. He is the stone of offense and rock of stumbling. And again, all these things are referred to in the Old Testament. Now it's referring it to Jesus, okay? He possesses and pours out the Holy Spirit upon his followers. His spirit inspired the writing of the prophets. His name is the highest name there is, having the sovereign and divine power to heal forgive sins and empower miracles. So Peter believed that Jesus was God, okay? Now, but that helps us understand then what's he doing here in verse 38? In verse 38, what he's doing is he is telling us that about Jesus as a man, okay? Uh, Peter's perspective, he knew Jesus was God, but here he's focusing on how to live it. And that's helpful to us because I'm not God, and you're not God and we're trying to figure out what? how should we live authentic Christian lives and so the Lord here gives us some insight to this Peter and his his words so let's look at it again let's read it one more time so we're thinking Jesus um, well let me just say this before I go on Jesus when he came to earth we go to the gospel of John we learn very quickly that Jesus is not doing his own thing when he comes to earth. That sounds kind of strange, but he becomes a human being, right? And he's forever human now. He's also God. He's, what, what percent God is he? A hundred percent. What percent human is he? 100. That's right, okay? He's fully God, fully man. Very important for us to understand. But when he became a man, he came down and lived like a man. Did he, did he lose his superna- supernatural, I hate to use that word. Or but did he lose his power as God? No. Did he no, but what he did is he chose not to use it. Independently from what his heavenly father told him to do. That's what he says all through John. I, I do what the father has showed me to do. I say what the father has showed me to say. I go where the father is showing me to go. That's how you and I are supposed to live, isn't it? We're to live in dependence on him, doing what he wants us to do, seeking his direction for that, to do it the way he wants us to do it. Okay, so we have a picture here of Jesus living out this authentic, we might say, Christian life. All right, so let's read it one more time here. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. So he gave him the Holy Spirit in his life. And with power, power of God. And what did he do? He went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Now, you and I don't get to heal like that. That was a special thing God was doing through his son. But the last phrase for God was with him. So let's, let's just do a quick overview of how Jesus lived and how it affected his life. So as we think about Jesus' authenticity, uh, authenticity as he lives, we see this first, that Jesus had an ongoing relationship with God the Father and the Holy Spirit, right? Do you see that in there? an ongoing relationship with him, making the power of God available in his life. All right? That, that's pretty clear. All right? As he, he submitted to the Lord, and, and, and the Lord was at, at work in his life, and the Lord could say, okay, heal this person. And he could do it. Okay? Uh, you and I have a little bit of a different take on how that works for us. Um, but I want you to see, if we're going to be authentic Christians, we need to maintain an ongoing Relationship with God, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and with Jesus. But I'm going. So this is something we need to focus on, isn't it, in our lives? If we don't focus on it, we're going to go do our own thing. And we want to say, no, let's don't do that. Let's 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 live out these truths that uh, the Lord has said in my life. And so we we also need to understand that if you if you need the power of God to do something in your life. In other words, and I'm not saying to get what you want because, you know, there may come a day when I am diagnosed with cancer and I say, oh God, would you heal me of this? And the Lord says, no, we're not going to do that. I'm going to walk with you through this and you're coming home, right? But I might ask for the power of God to work. So I'm not necessarily talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about that the Lord says to me, hey, Walt, listen, I, you really need to go across the street and meet that neighbor because... I'm gonna give you at some point an opportunity to share the gospel, you need to do that. Well, Lord, you don't understand. You don't know what those people seem like. I don't think they'd. Be, I mean, and, and for whatever reason, I'm nervous, I'm scared, I don't wanna do it, it's inconvenient, it puts you out on the spot, doesn't it? And, and, but he says, no, and I finally say, okay, God, I wanna do it, here I go. And as I go, God, Power will enable me to do that. You see how that works. So his power can work in our lives. But as long as I stand over here, and he doesn't make—he's not going to force me—not against my will—he lets me have the freedom. But if I'm standing over here, I will never experience the power of God when I go do what He told me to do. So it is important for us that we maintain this open, growing relationship with the Lord, so that as we follow him, God's power will be available in us to work through us in in life. So the second thing we see here is that Jesus lived in a specific time and place that defined his opportunities and his responsibilities. How does it describe him? Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. Uh, Walt of Cherry Valley. (laughs) Right? The the idea is that... And Acts says this, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul preaching says that God has put us in the places he wants to be, us to be, at the time in history he wants us there so that we and others will seek the Lord. Okay, so that's important. Now, so this idea is that God has planted us someplace. And, and where we are, I mean, this is what Jesus did. He stayed in Nazareth till the Lord told him to move. And then he w- walked around Israel and eventually in Jerusalem and all of that. <coughs> but he was where the Lord wanted him to be. And that, you know where that always starts? With where you are right now. Do you understand that that makes where you are right now significant? Right, and so we want to be authentic Christians. We need to realize that, man, God has me here for some purpose. Here I am. And, and as Christians, we go through life, learn to know the Lord, learn to recognize His promptings, His leadings. And sometimes we say, He might say, okay, time to go from here someplace else and move you. Some people He does as missionaries clear across the world. Okay? And so it isn't like, oh, I'm stuck here forever. No. But as you walk with the Lord. The idea is wherever you are, then, that's where God has something for you to do. You don't got to think, oh, if I was someplace else. No, right here, where you are, okay? The third thing about Jesus is he he was directed and powered by his relationship with God. And as such, he focused on two areas. It says it right in the text. Doing good and helping people recover from the damage that sin had caused in their lives. Those two things, all right? So what we want to do is is go back in here and, and, and focus on a few of these things to help us understand how we live these things out. Okay, so let's go back to verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about. That didn't sound all that significant, does it? But let's think about this. Who went about. This word that's translated went about literally means coming and going, coming and going, and it has the prefix that means through. Okay? So he is coming and going through life. And so he gets up, he goes, to when his father was still, his earthly father was still alive, maybe being a carpenter, other stuff when he gets into his ministry, but he's getting up and he's coming and he's going through life. And so, gee, I think we can do that. You did some of that today, didn't you? We come and go through life. We, we get up, we get ready, we go to work if we're working. If we, have other, if we aren't working, we have other things we do. We come and go. We go to the grocery store, we go to the bank. We go through the drive through someplace where we probably shouldn't be eating. We, um, but We go through life, right? And we cross paths with people. Some people we cross their path regularly. We go to work, right? We interact with the people there. We're going through life. So where does the Lord want you to serve Him? Wherever you are, as you come and go through life. Okay. Again, do you understand how significant that makes you? Okay. So Amanda, when you're you're up to your eyeballs trying to keep up with the kids, God has purpose, right? You know that. There's purpose for you there. And he wants us to live an authentic Christian life in that place as we come and go and do all of the ordinary things of life. So whether we are still in our Nazareth or or God has moved us elsewhere, either by calling us or leading us there through some natural process, maybe you take another job in another state, uh, wherever you are, your life has big purpose. And and know this, I don't want to communicate that God means that Christians should just bump along in life. I don't mean that. But we go through life doing the things we do with an openness to God to work. And if he wants me to move someplace else, he can tell me that, right, if I'm open to him. All right. So let's look at the next phrase. What did he do? As he was coming and going through life, he went about doing what? Good. That's the first thing that it says here. Yes, doing good. Good very interesting word it's 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 one word in the greek language as I look it up and and go whoa because a couple places of of resources I have it said this that this word doing good is about being a philanthropist now what do we think of when we think of philanthropists we think of a wealthy person giving money to support something maybe a foundation all right? that's what we think of philanthropists but really the root idea of a philanthropist is doing good In fact, go ahead and put that definition up there if you would Dave a philanthropist is, this is the English definition a person who purposefully seeks to promote the welfare of others and that's what a philanthropist is doing with their money but even if you don't have a lot of money can you seek the welfare of others yes yes Being kind to them, being good to them in life. Um, So, when you leave here today, go out and be a philanthropist, all right? But this idea of doing good, and so we go through life, but really this is about how do you view the people around you? You know, these are people that God made in his image, and sin has just wreaked havoc, okay? They need a savior, Um, They need the gospel. And it isn't only about doing that. It is about just being a good person. How would a good person, a Christian, an authentic Christian, act in this situation? Well, maybe the person in front of me also is realizing they don't have quite enough cash to pay their bill, and I have enough. So I offer to make up the difference. It's when the traffic is crazy and people are trying to turn, and it's really hard. And I could let them in, so I do. Um, and a long list of things. I'm not going to. Throw. I think you get the idea, right? It's walking through life, being a good person. Um, that if someone were even to think about, it, they say, "Wow, that that kind that person acts like a, I think the way a Christian is supposed to be, okay. And so we live this way. Wherever we're going, whatever the circumstances are, we do good. We value people. And we seek their welfare. Okay. Which sometimes means we give up something that we might want instead. All right. So the third thing, he did, the third thing we see here is, is healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And it's, it's all the results of sin in the world. And this is where, <coughs> like I said, God most likely, I can't tell you for sure what God's doing, but I don't think most likely he's going to give any of us the ability to heal other people. I mean with the, you know, miraculous healing, okay. But what he has given to me and to you is the truth of his word, the Holy Spirit which can give you discernment, uh, the gospel, and so you can interact with people. And, And we gotta be careful in life that we don't see doing good as the end all be all, okay? We do good. We're, and should you do good even if you don't have a chance to share the gospel? Yes. yes. Always. Everywhere. Do good. Seek the welfare of people around you. Well, but part of that welfare is they need to know the Lord. Or if they're a Christian, they need to be encouraged in their relationship with the Lord. Right? And so here's, here's how this kind of changes. You, so you're being kind and gracious. You say, oh. Some you're out in public with people and say, what a beautiful day. What a beautiful day God has given us. Now, that may not seem significant, but do you understand the person who's hearing that? All of a sudden you just turn their attention to the one who can heal their souls. Right? And sometimes that might open up a more, an ongoing conversation. Other times that might shut it down. That's God's business, right? You know? So you, <clears throat> let's say you look out across the street and you see your neighbor like it's happened to me. They're struggling to get some big thing into their house. And so you run over there and you say, let me help you, that you're doing good. And you're doing that, and afterwards they're talking, they say, thanks so much for coming over to help." I don't think we'd ever got it if you hadn't come over, you know, and you say, hey, it's my privilege. I'm glad to do it. God has used so many people to help me in my life and I wanted to do the same with you. Oh, once again, then or later, that could open up a conversation, couldn't it? An opportunity to help them with the spiritual dynamics in their life. And if nothing else, when you bring the Lord into this mix as you're doing good, when that person lays their head down at night and puts their head on the pillow and they're kind of pondering their day, you think the Lord could bring that to their mind? Yeah. Right? And so this is what we want to do. We want to be going through life, doing good, helping to bring the healing that God has by bringing God in the picture. And the final thing here says that God was with him. Okay, the last phrase, right? For God was with him. You know, just as Jesus is human being depended on the Father and the Spirit to lead him, you and I need to do the same. And so the idea is what I want to see happen for you and for me is that no longer do I get up and go out to the car and go do whatever I'm going to do, that I come back. Maybe I read my Bible in the morning before I did that. I don't ever want to, and I don't ever want you ever again to leave your house and go somewhere without the Lord. Well, wait a minute, our doctrine says that I got the Lord. He's here with me, right? True, very true. But I'm talking about our conscious awareness of the Lord. I'm no longer going through life doing these things. Me and Jesus are going through life and doing these things. He is with me. I want to be conscious of that. Right? The Lord. What are we going to do? Lord, Lord, should I speak here? The Lord says, shh, no, say nothing. See, I know. He says, Yes. Right? But I'm going through life. Now let me ask you something. If you walk through, if 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 the, the Jesus were actually to come here, okay? And he says to, so Tim Morway. Tim, he he likes you. He's come to you and he talks to Tim. I want to go through life with you. Will you do that with me? You think he'd say yes? Yeah, it might be scary. But he'd say yes. How would that change your life if you are just going through life with Jesus like the disciples did, right? Walking with Jesus. Well, The reality is the moment you receive Christ as Savior, he moves in, doesn't he? God moves in. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Spirit, Jesus moves in. And God is with us. And what I'm saying is I want you to have that conscious awareness that you are going through life with the Lord. How significant does everything in your life become then? There are no parts that, well, that's a God part. This is a me part. No, it's all God part. Okay? does that making sense? Okay. All right, so... Let's review here. We talked about being a Christian. Okay? Being a Christian, uh, knowing God, and then today we talked about doing good. So let's talk about being an authentic Christian. That's what happens when? That moment that we receive Christ as Savior, and he makes that, he, he, he comes in a union with us and makes those permanent, forever changes in our lives. We become an authentic Christian. Then as we start to uh, learn about God and what he says, he said there to us and other things, and we... We step out in faith and trust Him, and we grow in our relationship. We have an authentic relationship with God. I mean, we're thinking about what does it mean to be an authentic Christian. We need a change inside, and an authentic Christian surely has a relationship with God, right? He knows God. And then what we talk today is about how do we live it? Authentic living. We live it the way Jesus did. Now. That last phrase in Acts ten thirty eight, for God was with him. I want to share something with you here that for some of you, you will go, <coughs> but for all of us, it will hugely benefit us to remember it. God with us. So God works in us. True? Yes. He works in us all the time, right? Talking about he's pointing things out to us and reinforcing things to us and tugging at our hearts. God works in us. And then God works through us, doesn't he? As we follow him and and go out in the world, God works. He does. Okay, here's what I want you to get. I think I've said it before, but hang in there. God, when, when we're yielded to him and we're authentic Christians, God not only works in us and through us, God works as us. Hey, I don't know about that, Walt. Sounds a little uh, New age to me Or something, you know Let me explain what I mean I'm not saying We become God Nothing like that But I, I want you to think <clears throat> Could God speak to people Without me? Yes Could God make something Clear to people Without me? Yes Alright But he doesn't I mean He does work You know what I'm saying But he, he puts in my heart To speak to somebody And whose voice Do they hear When I speak? Uh Uh-uh, trick question. Not really a trick question. Very funny. He hears whose voice? Yeah, this is the easy one, guys. I'm talking. Whose voice do they hear? Seriously. They hear my voice. Why? Because God wants to speak to them with my voice for some reason. I don't know why, but he wants to. When I put my hand on someone's shoulder. God as me, is putting my hand on someone's shoulder. You see how significant this is and how significant you are? And, and we're all different. He wants to, all of us, he wants to go into the world as, as all of us in that, since he wants people to hear from us whose lives have been changed forever by him. And when I speak, they hear my voice, but it's not just me. It's God speaking to them through my voice that's big guys that's your hands it's your whatever everything that you have all right so this is that's the most I think authentic thing it can be is God in you using you because you're not pretending to be anybody else you're just you and God is using you all right let's go to the Lord in prayer father thank you for your word And thank you that you work in our lives in such magnificent ways. Help us to see it. Help us to become more conscious of it so that uh, uh, we aren't bumping along in life and going and not think that we begin to more and more have this awareness that what you've done in us and that we're getting to know you better and then that you actually work in us and use us everywhere we go that you have something for us to do.